My name is Renato Beninato, and I am your guest host today as we experience NIMSI Live, where we talk about the latest and greatest in translation, localization, internationalization, any Asian that you want, and all that fun stuff that global companies need to delight their international customers, or at least not to piss them off too much. On this program, we invite guests who like to have fun and have some, have and create value to the audience of the global, of globalization professionals. If you aren't already subscribed to NIMSI, now's your chance. If you're watching this and you hit that subscribe or follow button, then you will be the first one to be notified when we have new live streams or when NIMSI Insights publishes new research. Also check out our system, sister programs on Multilingual TV. Interesting that we call it sister programs. I would call it brother programs. But anyway, that's a language thing. So we have Last Week in Localization with Sarah Hickey, TEP in Spanish with Juanma Lopez, High Performance Leaders with Andrew Smart, Open World, and the C-Suite Hot Suite. Um, if any of these programs sound interesting, go on over to Multilingual TV by searching for Multilingual Media on YouTube and subscribe to that channel too after subscribing to NIMSI, of course. A little bit about the platform. We're doing this as a live stream via LinkedIn events because all our friends are already on LinkedIn and it makes it easy to share and invite new people. It also makes it easy for you to show appreciation during the stream in two ways, comments and the reaction buttons. In case the stream gets interrupted because it happens uh, frequently here on LinkedIn, we're also live streaming on NIMS's YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter channels. And the most important guest here today is, of course, you, chat. Make your voices heard, introduce yourself in chat. I can see already a lot of activity happening. And ask questions, and our operator, Tucker Johnson, my business partner, will be uh, controlling and uh, feeding them to us. <sighs> Done. So, <laughs> on to today's show. Today, I well, I hope, I hope you get some new subscribers today. Well, hopefully. Uh, well, and we're going to talk about this. Actually, Lionbridge is offering free subscriptions to Multilingual on their website. If you uh, don't have it yet, there you go. There's the Tucker. Anyway, uh, today I'll be talking to John, CEO of Lionbridge, one of the top companies in the localization industry that is celebrating their 25th anniversary this week. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Renato. So 25 years is a milestone for any company. I remember when Lionbridge appeared on the scene and it was widely seen as the new kid on the block with all these cool ideas and a different name. And the competition used to refer to Lionbridge as the evil empire, <laughs> mostly because it was taking all the business away from us, the competitors. Uh, who's the new kid on the block today? Who is the competition for Lionbridge now that you're an old timer. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know about old timer. Uh, you know, it's re it's remarkable that we hit our 25th anniversary this week. Uh, in in reading up on you know companies and longevity, a couple of interesting factoids. So the average S and P 500, Fortune 500 company, now has a lifespan of 18 years. So we've surpassed that. Two out of every three new businesses don't last a year and a half. So. Um, We've survived some tough odds, like lots of people in the space. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, it is a fascinating space, as we'll talk about. And there are a host of competitors. Um, 
I think McKinsey has it at forty five thousand, and you know that sounds like a, a very large number, but 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 there are a lot of you know small entrepreneurial firms in the space, and uh, you know it's a, it's a range of competitors, and, and like always, I'm um, you know very respectful of the household name competitors we've got, but you know what always worries me a little bit more is what I don't know, what I can't see, and and we're we're in a fascinating place right now. We've got traditional services business trying to get to technology enabled services or tech services businesses. And a lot of the new startups in the space really have a technology angle on, on language and where they want to go. So I think we're at an inflection point. Um, and as we look to the next 25 years, as I have, uh, you know, talked extensively about with our teams this year, the old adage that what got us here today isn't going to get us where we need to be 25 years from now. Right. So I okay, I think we see the future, um, I think we see where it is headed, um, and and it, the the trick for us is to get there. Well, you you mentioned technology, and you you mentioned the 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 challenges that come with it, and not knowing what is happening. But you were one of the pioneers in this uh, AI enabled services for uh, the language technology. Yeah, and yet a year ago you divested of that business. You sold. Uh, a very good sale and a, a smart move, by the way. Do you think that this AI uh, AI in localization has gone to the 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 through the hype cycle, and we were uh, at the 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 top of the hype cycle and going now into the the trough of disillusionment? Or do you think that there's still room for growth for AI in this space? Why why did you get out of it? Yeah, well, I think there, there, it's a tale of two cities, right? So we were really two companies. We had the traditional language business, and then we had our AI business, which I had renamed it. We had a couple of different acronyms internally, what we called it, um, and then put it together into Linebridge AI. And Linebridge AI was 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 in some ways a misnomer. It was a crowd based business, mm -hmm. and there were some language components to it. But but by and large, we delivered. Um, a large bespoke group, typically to technology companies, to work on social media platforms and search and ads and maps and to kind of go down the list of things that um, that uh, our teams worked on from a from a content and a relevant standpoint for consumers. And so that was a very different business. And you know, when we think about AI in the language business, it's, it, it, I think we're at the beginning of the beginning. And, uh, you, you know, our goal really is to be able to know a lot more about our customers' content as it comes into Lionbridge. And then um, through ways that are new and somewhat revolutionary for the space, really be able to use AI to understand a lot more of that content, whether it's life sciences content, whether it's games content, whether it's marketing content, whether it's product content, and then match that up with the right channel that we've got or with the perfect perfect, what I'll call data enhancer, translator, um, that knows the space, knows the brand, and can localize to, to the way the customers like. So, you know, in some respects, I think where we're headed is a bit like the Uber model, where you, you Uber has a platform that will match up a passenger with a driver. We want to be the platform that very intelligently can take content and match it up with the data enhancer as close to real time as possible. So that's our aspiration. AI will get us there. People will not will, won't be able to get us there at the scale. The, 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 the point that you're making is essentially that uh, 
AI, the value, and, and this is, it's a great point to start the conversation because there is a lot of fear in the language industry around AI replacing the human. And what yeah. you have just described is AI enhancing the process. Yeah. Uh, it's AI working to, to make the process better and remove uh, points of failure, let's put it this way, in the process, instead of being a replacement uh, uh, technology, it is just an enhancement technology. Well, I think it's an enhancement technology, but I think it's also a multiplier. Uh, you know, our view is, and we came out after the sale of our AI business, and, you know, I put a pretty audacious goal in front of the company. I said, let's localize everything in the world. And, and why shouldn't we be able to localize all the content in the world? Now, you can't do that with people, which is traditionally the way the industry has operated. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think it's actually they're not mutually exclusive. I think the more that, that, that we can localize and translate, certainly technology will play a large role in that. But we also think that that will increase the pie for the human editing, human translation. Uh, and, and it's not a zero-sum game. Yeah, I, I love the way you're, you're putting this because it's usually 90% of the conversations that I have with either industry players that uh, are afraid of change and afraid of the future or outsiders who come in and say, hey, this industry is dead. It's going to be replaced by machines in a very right. short period of time. And uh, my position is essentially we are mostly in a transformation business. We're not creating anything. So we're, we're, we're uh, uh, somebody writes content, somebody develops a product and needs to sell that content, that product, that whatever in another language, and we help enable that process. But we're in the middle, we're not creating anything. Where do you see the, the role of, of innovation in a scenario like this, where we, we're not creating stuff, we're just making it easy? Well, I think we are creating things, but but well, I'll come back to that. I, I think, again, I think we're at the beginning of the beginning. This is probably the most exciting time in the history of the language business. Um, you're, and, and I truly believe that, and I don't think it's corporate hyperbole, that we're at an inflection point. Um, customers want to do more. The traditional ways of, of doing more are difficult to scale. The world, despite everything that may be happening in the political currents of the last four, five, six, ten years, we continue to go global. We've seen no companies pull back from, from global ambitions. Uh, we are a unique industry that connects language and culture and people and products and services. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I don't it, you can go it, you can get into a doom and gloom scenario pretty quickly and say oh my god machine translation is going to replace everything but i would say follow the money and which has been interesting is the amount of money that continues to come into the space from venture capital private equity um public listings and so there's no shortage of capital at startups that have come and i think if we were an industry that was heading the other direction you know money is not stupid um it, they would probably find other venues right so I think that it is a in a transition, though, and when there is transition, there's always, I think, trepidation because people talk about liking change, but most people don't inherently like change. And so change can be disruptive. And um, as we change from what has typically been, you know, a process driven, project managed driven business that likes complexity 
into one that needs to scale more technology. Of course, that's you know that, that's daunting for many, but I think it's the future, and and the folks that can see that and will embrace that, I think, will be ha- have the opportunity to be successful. So I, I I think that you have a, a a unique perspective in this space because you came from outside, right? You've been yeah. in this industry. I remember the first time I I met you, you had been in the industry like for two weeks or something like maybe, that. Maybe and maybe two days when we first maybe met. Two yeah. days. That's yeah. true. In uh, it was a Taos conference in San right. Jose, and you came in. And, I remember and it well. It, it was a, a very interesting conversation that we had at that time. And and the interesting thing for me, uh, who's been in this industry for almost 40 years, is to see uh, 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 Lionbridge is a company that went from uh, a, a startup. Uh, and a fun fact here is that before it was called Lionbridge, it was called Stream, and it was a division of Donnelly. And right. my little company, in Brazil at the time was a vendor was my first localization project was with what would eventually become Lionbridge and um, uh, it it always from the beginning had a vision to become a leader in the industry was the first company to go public in this space uh, 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 mostly as a technology company and then uh, went through a, a, a professional change, got acquired by investors. Like you said, money goes where the smart business is. And they brought you from outside to yeah. uh, take this to the next level of maturity of an organization. Mm-hmm. This is an industry that until just around the time that you joined was mostly led by founders who came from the industry yeah. and were professionals in this space. So I I, I like to ask this question with, with to the outsiders, what, what was the assumptions and what were the things that were told to you when you came into the industry that were proven wrong or different? What 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 has changed from the time that you were convinced to join this business to the, the, the point where you are now? Well, well, there's a lot in there. I would say this. It has been uh, four and a half years for me now. It has been a phenomenal four and a half years. And, and I think the thing that I've been, I'll talk about the business aspects to it, but I, I, I think you'll appreciate this. The thing that has been uh, just wonderful for me is the people in this industry are phenomenal. And, 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 and really the different walks of life and the different backstories that people have, as I have been you know, so lucky, and I was so lucky pre-COVID to travel the world incessantly and meet so many people in our company and in the industry, and that, you know, like you, I, as Sarah, a, a bit like global nomads that live in places where they didn't grow up, and uh, the industry is full of them. And, and you know, the first question I always ask everybody is like, how did you get here? You know, what are you doing living in this country? And where, you know, tell me your backstory, which I always found great. So that on a human dimension has been fabulous. Um, I, I think the surprise to me has been the complexity uh, of workflows and processes, and and you know, it, it, when you come in, you have a, a you know, you have sometimes a naive look at, at and view of things, which is you know sometimes can be helpful um, until you figure things out, um, and uh, but you have a different perspective. And uh, I, I think the business, you know, again, is it a transition phase? We looked at it, we we saw complexity, we saw upside. We saw globalization continuing. We saw the ability to scale. And again, I don't, I don't, the, 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 the localization, the LSP business is not unique. If you go across industries, 
you've had a lot of um, founder-led companies that have gotten to certain sizes and, you know, private equity has come into a lot of different industries. And you've seen over the last 10, 15 years, a change in, you know, as, as, as owners have sold or, 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 or moved on, um, you know, different people are brought in and it, you know, to bring scale to the business. And I think that's what's happening in our business in real time right now. Um, there's been a lot of change in, in management, I think, of our competitors over the last few years and many mm -hmm. of them. And so, I, you know, and it got not unique. Um, and, you know, we've been lucky. I, I've been very lucky. Lionbridge was a fabulous company. Um, we have many people that have been with the company literally since its inception or with predecessor companies um, um, just as long with a amazing knowledge of the space, of history, of, and, you know, and we have many people who have very strong views about where it's going to go. And, um, and, and, I, and I think, you know, we've been able to bring in some folks from the outside. We've been able to, you know, have some different views on how we might introduce technology. And I think the combination of those has put us in very good stead to move forward. Yeah, and, and you, you bring this point, which is the maturity of the industry as a whole is happening in our eyes. I mean, right. at the beginning of this year, because there is so much M&A happening, so much money from yeah. outside coming in uh, and uh, uh, consolidation at the top. Uh, and the interesting thing from, 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 from my perspective, because I, I lived through it and literally in the NIMSI 100 that we published uh, the beginning of this year, um, the, I, I made a comparison of the number one company in 2020, in, 20, in 2000, where, where I was working uh, mm -hmm. at the time where uh, we were $120 million in revenue. And uh, that was unthought, unthinkable to have such a big company at the time. And today we're yeah. talking about three companies in the billion dollar range, companies that are publicly traded with very high valuation. And uh, uh, it's a certain prof professionalization of the, the, the business. But I don't think, and, and I, I would love to have your perspective on this. Uh, what, what is driving this consolidation? Because uh, uh, again, a, a, a recurring topic in my conversations with people in the industry is fear, right? It's fear of, of irrelevance, fear yeah. of replacement. And I tend to see it quite the opposite, is that the economy, if we look at the economy as a whole, our industry is following uh, what is happening in the economy. Sure. And, and the fact that there is consolidation in very large players is because the size of the buyers has increased significantly, yeah. right? You, you, you talk about $100 billion companies. You're talking for the first time of companies that have trillion dollar valuations, right? Right. So uh, we need big companies to be working with the big companies. And there is still a bunch of new small companies coming in the background that need the support of the smaller, more agile, innovative players that you have in the, in the, in the lower uh, parts of the, of the industry, lower in terms of size, I mean. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's, uh, you know, again, th this cuts across all industries, right? Is the, the one thing that I don't think any of us could have envisioned 15, 20 years ago is, is, is scale that we've gotten to with companies. Um, and the big have continued to get bigger. And, um, you know, acquisitions have been a vehicle to do that, right? And that, and that will continue. And I think what you see 
in most industries, a consolidation, certainly we've seen it in the language industry just in the last three or four years, right? I mean, major consolidation of some top players. And I, and I think that'll continue. And then, and then naturally, that, that really, really spawns a whole host of innovators that will come out of typically those bigger companies. And we've seen that for the history of the language business. And they've got ideas and they may get frustrated that they can't get everything they want done at a big company. And they go off and they do something themselves. And it's the... And it's it's the beauty of, of to be of capitalism, right? You have the big, and, and then and then people don't want to do the big, and then they go off and do their own, and then the big buy them, and you know it just kind of goes on and on and on. And um, and I think that's that's exactly where we are. And, and you and you have a host of startups with really interesting things happening in our space. You have clients that have gotten extremely big, big beyond what would anybody would have imagined that any of them would do individually 15 or 20 years ago in, in the number okay. of projects that we get a day, the scale, uh, you know, and, and as we've all seen what's happened over, you know, the last five, six, seven, eight years, we've got, you know, detailed data around this. It's the size of projects has gone down. The number of projects has gone up. That's created its own challenges for processing and technology and translators, and you know, and, and it continues to change by the day. Uh, and I think the big will get bigger, but I think that also, as I said, will open up a lot of opportunities for others to 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 bring real innovation. So, a part of our of our audience here is naturally made up of of Lionbridge suppliers, either direct suppliers, sure. LSPs, individuals, also, uh, uh, and I'm sure they're asking the question, where should they invest their efforts if they want to continue partnering with, with Lionbridge? What, what, what is Lionbridge looking for today and moving forward in a, in a partner? Yeah, well, I mean, that, you know, if, if you look at the at, at kind of the workflow chain of localization, I, you know, to me, that the, the, there's, there, there's three essential components. You have content, you, you have the LSP, which effectively unpacks, simplifies the content and gets it to a, you know, a, a, a data enhancer or content enhancer. And the content enhancer is real, the, where the real value is. And, and they bring the real value to the, to the end customer and consumer. And so uh, we want to make Limebridge an incredibly attractive place for them. We, we want to provide technology that is um, Ubiquitous in, in ways that it, you know the, the learning curve is is is, is very low. It, it's 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 not hard to 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 all of a sudden pick up work with Lionbridge. Um, like lots of industries, you also have, and we could talk for the next several hours just about what's happening in the translation community. Um, but you know, you know, and it's kind of interesting. And this is one of the surprises to your earlier question. There are not an unlimited number of translators in the world. Mm -hmm. And, and, it, and in fact, what we've seen with the increase in volume and with COVID, I mean, I think that there are supply constraints on the translation community right now, in, particularly in certain languages. And, and that uh, to, is certainly in some of the markets that we follow very closely. The pool of translators does not be, seem to be as ex expanding as quickly as demand. And, and so that will bring its new, a new set of challenges over the next couple of years. And we've got some ideas around that. Um, but it's one of the fascinating dynamics that's out there. And so to your to very specific question, uh, you know, I don't look at it what they should do with us. I think, you know, it's incumbent upon us to make Lionbridge a very attractive place um, for our suppliers that, that want to work with us. And, and, and this is fascinating. The, the, the way you put this is, is that uh, uh, one of the 
things that I like about the language industry, observing it uh, from a growth growth perspective, is that that it doesn't only grow uh, in terms of volume of content. We have so many vectors that that drive growth. We have number of languages is increasing. The demand our clients every year is, is are asking for new languages and new markets that are developing. I mean, I can see Africa. Uh, African languages growing significantly. I remember uh, being Brazilian and Brazilian Portuguese was not one of the early languages that were localized. Right. So uh, as an early adopter, I had to use software in English and it would take years until Brazilian Portuguese became uh, a, a, a mainstream language. But you can see uh, uh, large uh, African languages coming online, especially for mobile uh, content, mobile apps, and, 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 and things like that. So, so that is a, another growth vector. And the fact that you... And, and, that, and, that, and that one in particular is happening, right? And it, it, it'll take a little while, but I think you, you just follow what happened in India with the index. Exactly. Right? Which is, which, you know, our customers looked at and said, okay, there's a huge consumer base there, um, companies outside of India. How do we reach them? Um, and then how many languages do we have to concentrate within a market that's got literally hundreds of languages? Yeah. And, and, and we've seen it and we went out and built our own pool uh, of, of translators in India. Um, because the, the maturity market. wasn't there, right? Exactly. Yeah. E exactly. And I think that's a model for us as we move into new markets and, and certainly the way we think about Africa as well. Yeah. And India is a very good example. We did a study for one of our clients and, and they said, OK, we cannot go right away into, um, I think it's 29 official languages, 42 languages with over 10 million uh, speakers. Yeah. And uh, so uh, they asked us to do some economic analysis with uh, linguistic and and uh, uh supply because one of the challenges is you need to have local supply and then machine translation is adding this uh, low resource languages uh, low resource in terms of uh, uh, not a very mature translation market it's not this these languages are much more ancient than the languages yeah. that we speak that we use it's just that uh, and and they have a, a, a very big base of speakers but as people come more into the consumer market. That's another uh, uh, vector that generates growth growth for us. So yeah, and, and we did that, and we're and we are you know unequivocally the leader in the index among among many other markets. Absolutely, and uh, you had I, I think that Lionbridge was actually one of the first localization companies to open a presence in India way before yeah. everybody else, and and I think that at the time I'm thinking here a long time ago, Bound was the company that followed you. You were you were setting the standard there. Uh, and today, what we see also, it's on the client side, several companies are actually transferring the localization function, the localization buying function to India, yeah. instead of doing it in Silicon Valley. They, they Because you have an amazing uh, talent pool in terms of management, localization experience, and so on. These are people who live multilingualism, right? It's... Uh, uh, I, I find it very interesting here uh, in the United States, which is mostly uh, a monolingual country, even though it's one of the it's a country that doesn't have an official language and, and, and you have translations into hundreds of languages happening every day. But uh, for for an American to speak three, four languages, it's kind of 
unique. And you go to a place like India and you talk to a, a, a taxi driver and they'll speak five languages, right? It's the natural thing. Well, the, the, the uh, monolingual American just showed up to nod and, and disagree with me. I got you, Tucker. <laughs> we got to get some, to some chat here, guys. Like chat's blowing up. People are super engaged. So let me know when you want to head on over to the chat. And okay, I can bring go on. Bring, bring, bring it on, Tucker. Awesome. Great, great conversation in chat, guys, just to respond to this. Um, Eric, vote, uh, Jamie, um, and a lot of conversation around the, the supply chain here. Um, let me pull up Eric's. Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. I have one job related to Jamie's observation, according to the U.S. Bureau. So Jamie made an observation that there's, there was, there are more uh travel agents today than there were in 2000 so people because that's an industry where people thought that the jobs were going to go away and there's more today than there were in 2000 so just saying and eric vote responds related to jamie's observation according to the u.s bureau of labor statistics the employment outlook for interpreters and translators is projected to grow 24 percent from 2020 to 2030 much faster than the average for all occupants um occupations sorry this is absolutely a growing business um i don't think that one needs responded to but let's just go through we here. agree we agree um <laughs> daniel i'll try to find some questions here daniel gray hi daniel how are you how where does Linebridge view amazon microsoft google in the localization landscape of the future do they uh do they drive the quote-unquote race to zero like crowd is that clear do i need to repeat that uh well i you know i i think that's a it's an interesting question um and uh you know what what makes it a little bit different where where they are very different than you know say a big uh manufacturing or consumer products company is they have a lot of technology um, that is is based on language. They have you know deep expertise in language, so re really unique in, in many respects. And um, you know, I, I think that uh, my guess is that they're among the biggest, um, if not the biggest, collectively buyers of localization of any companies in the world. Right, would be my guess. And so I, I think that's part of the answer right there. I, I, if I may jump in, I think that uh, uh, what you brought up uh, earlier in our conversation, John, is, is the complexity, complexity yeah. element. Um, for these companies, um, localization translation is not a core business. And this is why, and this has been the nature of this space. It is outsourced because it's not core for them. It is complex. It is uh, uh, um, uh, how do you say uh, 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 constantly changing, and it requires a certain area of expertise that is not their business. They don't uh, uh, do accounts payable. They don't do accounts receivable. They don't do HR. They outsource all those activities because it's not their core business. And it's the same thing with uh, localization. Why would Microsoft want to have, as they used to have in the beginning, Microsoft used to have uh, translators in-house doing um, French, German, Japanese, and Spanish, I think were the four original languages. They were in-house and very soon they realized, well, 
my my in-house translators need to get vacations and who is going to translate when they're on vacation who's going to translate when they are um, we have holidays and working with global suppliers uh, you outsource that complexity and it, it's upon our industry and companies like Lionbridge and the other players in this space to automate some of this uh, uh, complexity, well, the process, and um, solve the complexity problem for the client. Any other questions, Tucker? Oh, we got a bunch here. Um, Rodrigo Espinoso Caballado, a frequent joiner, good to see you, Rodrigo, says, indeed, technology is the key, as many times before, namely cognitive services and automation. I believe LSPs are not truly taking advantage of or investing in as they should be. Um, directed at John, does Lionbridge have a dedicated innovation and development team, independent or other verticals, such as translation, interpreting, desktop publishing, etc.? Yeah, we, we, we do. Um, and we've got some amazing individuals that, uh, that run our innovation team. Um, and, uh, you know, I am probably their biggest champion and, uh, you know, and, and really look at, uh, they have a very clear, I think, eyed vision on where we need to get to. And I think the challenge for any company, um, you know, is chronicled in the innovator's dilemma many, many moons ago is, is how do you pivot away from effectively what you do every day um, with the stresses that come with running a big business and demanding customers and then create, create enough space for the innovation team to be able to go out and actually build a different model in some respects than what you're using today, right? So this isn't a problem that's unique to us. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, 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 to me, we see very clearly what we need to do, cognitive services, automation, uh, machine learning. And I, you know, my view, it's a race against time, right? Is that somebody will get there and somebody will get there at scale, and we certainly want to be the ones that are that are there uh, very, very early, if not first. So awesome. before we go to other, the, the, let me do one more. Let me do one more. Okay. Um, <laughs> let me just let me just get to it here. Um, I have a question. This is from David Grunwald, managing director at GTS Translations. I have a question for Mr. Fenley. Are you happy with your investment in Gengo? What is your uh, I don't know if you want to answer that. <laughs> Happiness has to do anything with it, but uh, what is your growth strategy there and how does it fit in with the overall Lionbridge strategy? What is your outlook for the online translation space? Gengo is gone, right? <laughs> hey, I'm no, just... no, great, great, great question. Um, and, and so um, we, saw, and it, it, we saw the market there and, and for what I'll, I'll just call the self-serve kind of online market. Um, and I think that there were, let's call it four or five, you know, firms that really, that that was the model, right? It was a technology model. It was not a, what I would call a project managed operations service model. And they all got to about the same point in revenue. And, and, and you, and it's like, okay. And, 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 and why is the question that I've got. Right. And so, you know, what we saw um, with that acquisition is that we could bring scale and that that we could bring um, more more flow to a self-directed channel, and that in fact is happening in real time for us, and not without fits and starts, right? But it was an, it was a new model for us, um, 
that was different than the way we we're doing things, right? There weren't operations teams as we knew them at Lionbridge. Um, and it was really a, you know, go to the website, upload some documents, get translated. A different community of translators, um, you know, what I would call less bespoke, much less industry specific and, and more of a generalization, but highly qualified people. Uh, and so what we've done is created a, a series of, of channels for us, machine translation, um, what we'll call direct, which is a self-serve channel, a custom channel for us for, you know, again, our, it, it, we, we have done as a company, and, and I'm, not, I'm not sure I love it, but we have done extremely well since the inception of Lionbridge. It's, if you're big and you're complex and, and you have a, a, a lot of bespoke workflows, we've been your guys. Right. And so we've we've thrived in that environment and that's a tough environment to exist in. But we do very well there. But we see lots of avenues that are not binary for customers that as, as, and as we suspected, the same customers have have the same needs for the self-directed channel. And we have started to see them actually use the same services right from us that they would have gotten from Gango or somebody else like that. So we're very long winded answer is we're very bullish on that. What I'll call. Uh, vertical within a vertical uh, of, 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 of an LSP. And we're, we're very happy with, with what we did there a couple of years ago. Awesome. So I'm, I'm going to let you guys keep going. I'm going to let you guys keep, there's a lot of questions here. Sorry guys yeah, we'll in chat. Back. We'll try to get to them. I'm out. Good. So uh, <laughs> you, you mentioned the vertical inside the vertical and, and uh, verticals are obviously areas where everybody wants to know where where is the growth where yeah. is it uh, where are we investing is it gaming is it life sciences is it still silicon valley where the biggest opportunities for business are what what insights what what burgeoning uh verticals do you see uh there at, at lionbridge these days well, you know, we, we created a strategy for the company four years ago, which, you know, we, we look at every year and, and validate that it's that it that it's still the right one for us or, or change. And, you know, we, we really haven't changed much. And so, you know, the, the history of Lionbridge is, is the history of technology. And so our our you know, biggest customers have typically been technology, big technology companies. And that continues to be one of our primary what I'll call end markets. Um, games is another one. Life sciences is, is, is a third and the AI crowd business was our fourth. Um, we have, you know, and I would say what, what's come into to the mix, which wasn't there four years ago, even though we had a business there, which has become a much bigger piece of the puzzle for us is interpretation or OPI. Mm -hmm. And so that, that is a very, very fast growing market for us right now, as are the others. And so, you know, we've stuck to our guns. We've had a lot of discipline about what we, we wanted to do. And, uh, you know, where we've been successful are, are big, big, complicated companies at the enterprise level. And that's where we'll continue to be, whether it's in technology, whether it's life sciences, whether it's in games, uh, you know, and then our regional focus on Europe and Asia and, and, and the Americas for, for big manufacturing, consumer co products, companies, et cetera. But, you know, we've been very consistent. And I think, you know, we, we, we try to, you know, match up where we think the growth prospects are with our capabilities. Um, and so far, I think we've done a pretty good job of that. Yeah, uh, the, the DNA of Lionbridge was uh, IT companies. Uh, localization yeah. is in the name of the company. And uh, that was the, and life sciences became very early on. I, 
it's just as an anecdote, I remember very clearly many years ago, we, we used to refer to the, the, the medical and pharmaceutical industry. And then one day, uh, Rory, your predecessor, uh, started talking about the life sciences space. And all of a sudden, I, I, I can tell you, working in marketing and following in the industry, within three months, nobody talked about medical and pharmaceutical anymore. It became life sciences, right? Mm. So Lionbridge set the stage and the language for our space at that time. So uh, thinking of it, it's about 25 years ago, that, well, 20 years ago that that happened, that, that switch. And it's quite interesting because you mentioned manufacturing and uh, other segments. What I see happening now, and I think that uh, we, we are going to go into another uh, uh, technology revolution and explosive growth in, in segments that we don't know. I mean, 10 years ago, we didn't know that we would be localizing as much as we are for companies like Facebook that is spending a lot of money in our industry with multiple vendors. What is going to be the Facebook 10 years from now with 5G, right? Facebook was enabled by 4G. What is the, the world going to be working on industries that we don't know? Um, and this well, is why and, I... You, know, you, use them as a proxy, you use them as a proxy almost for, for, you know, back to our original discussion with the kind of the, the tension between technology and, and, and humans. And there's a company that's grown at, you know, astronomical rates. And they've gone into to, to markets where they, they frankly don't have as, a, a huge amount of infrastructure. And, uh, you know, and I think at the end of the day, I mean, if, if they, they've done a lot of really, really interesting and really good stuff on the language space. Um, but I think that there is a need for both um, as you move into markets at, you know, warp speed and you have huge numbers of, of people on your platform. In, in, in languages that are very different and, and some complex, right? And, and I think that creates lots of opportunities for people in the language space. Well, and, and the alternative markets, you briefly mentioned new geographies. Uh, yesterday, I was listening to a story about Kavak, this mm. uh, Mexican unicorn that mm. uh, is revolutionizing the used, used car market. It's a very well-established market in the United yeah. States, but they're making inroads in Brazil, Uruguay, Argentina, and they're looking at Africa and Asia as next markets. So there is this alternative direction of localization from other markets that we're not naturally thinking as traditional buying markets like Mexico, like Brazil, like uh, um, Korea, uh, I mean, we're all talking these days about uh, Squid Games and, and the, the Korean wave. Uh, it's, it's a big challenge. One of the conversations that I've had with a client recently is that one of the biggest challenges that they have is finding translators from Asian languages to Asian languages. Uh, yeah. We're assuming that, and, and actually, you probably don't even know, I thought it was one of the most brilliant uh, marketing campaigns in our industry back in the beginning of Lionbridge where everything was E, E for electronic and uh, the, 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 the marketing for uh, Lionbridge was E doesn't stand for English, right? Because <laughs> it was the language for everything was in English. And um, this, this was one of the, the interesting topics. So do you see, you, you mentioned India, but do you see any other markets uh, coming up as uh, client markets for Lionbridge? 
Well, we, we operate in, in, a, in, a, in, I think, most, if not all, what I would call, you know, well-established markets. So, um, you know, we, we've got regions where, where we've got a, you know, you mentioned Korea. We've got a good presence in Korea, uh, Japan. You know, China is one of the fastest growing areas that we've got right now in Asia and beyond just on, on pure growth rates. Uh, and so, you, you know, I think that we look at it and say there are so many markets that that offer very attractive growth prospects um, that are big and established. And typically, you know, for a company like us, uh, it, as I've mentioned a couple of times, right, it, it's the bigger companies that are out there that that operate in multiple end markets that, you know, the, the, those are typically the, the, the places that will will end up in service. Yes, and, and also on, on the dynamic of, of the industry, one of the things that happens, and, and you were talking earlier about the fact that as uh, consolidation happens, so I, I'm combining two comments that you made, is the comment that uh, people don't leave this industry. And Adolfo Hernandez, uh, who was the CEO of SDL, uh, one of the questions that I asked him when he was recently in the industry and what, what struck you most about this industry and he said it's an industry where people don't leave when people <laughs> come into this industry and they stay and they stay and they stay uh, and we have uh, in our book T Tucker and I talk about this concept of the jello effect right in our industry when you combine two companies uh, there is this this uh, uh, it's like squeezing jello you're going to have small bits that come out and these are uh, new companies that will start around the world from people that were made redundant in the the mergers of the big yeah. companies this SDL RWS I can predict that there's going to be 10 new companies in the next uh, months because there's going to be optimization yeah. there's going to be consolidation but they stay in the industry they don't go to the automotive industry they don't go to software industry they stay in this space which is this is quite interesting for our space but what the the, the question that i had is that uh when you're looking what, what happens usually the dynamic is that these small players they will create the new technologies they are going to be the innovators because you mentioned they don't have room to innovate, to create uh, inside a large organization because you have processes, you have scale, you have a lot of, of issues that come on board. But they go out, they start their own companies, and 10 years later, they're going to be acquired by somebody. So what are you looking for when it comes to this acquisition in this space? You mentioned OPI. Uh, interpretation is a booming industry. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think what we uh, look for in acquisitions are, uh, you know, obviously it fits into our strategy and that it is core to where we want to go. Um, it's got technology that we would be that would be useful. And and I think the often overlooked dimension is the people. And, and you know, and I, I think what we haven't talked a, a lot about, if at all, is talent. And when we look at acquisitions, it is um, very much an eye on talent. And, uh, you know, as I said to our chief people officer repeatedly over the last several months, I mean, I think is, is we think, you know, for the next five or 10 years, the differentiation is going to be people. And, and I think now from a, from a human capital standpoint, it's recruitment, retention, and incentive plans are the most important things you've got to focus on as a company. And, you, and, you be, and I think the talent war that's out there, which is not new, 
but I think now it's exacerbated with COVID. Uh, I think we'll define the winners as much as the losers as in maybe anything else, maybe more than technology in some respects, because you need the you need those people to fuel where you want to go with innovation and technology. And so from an M&A standpoint, that's very much that, that that's very much in the frame for us is, OK, are are there is it is the talent compatible with our culture and, and will they be accretive? So those are all things that we look at. It's more important than technology is people is what you're saying. Because people can use technology, right? Technology by itself doesn't do much. Yeah, I mean, and and if you look at the, you know, I mean, just you know, internally at Linebridge for the last several years, um, you know, we've had three priorities since I got here: people, customers, and simplification, in no particular order. But my view is, if you take care of your folks and they believe in what you're doing. Then, then they'll look after your customers in ways that you want them to, and and I and I don't think it's a magic formula, often overlooked by companies, but one that we we pay particular attention to. Well, we're about ten minutes away from our time limit here, Tucker. Do we have any other questions from our followers and the people who are attending the conversation? Here? Oh boy, oh boy, do we? We've got one from Javi here that I promised to get. I don't know if I'll be able to pull it up on screen, but he would, Javi, Javier Diaz Fernandez Cavarial um, would like to ask John Fenley, for us upcoming leaders, I, he's still in his 30s, young man, what are the values and skills you recommend us to focus on so that one day we can be inspired to lead teams, people, and inspire others at the same level as you do? Well, I... I... Great, great question. And I get asked that question quite often. I would say two things to Javi. Be curious. Uh, never, ever, ever stop learning. And and be yourself. He doesn't have a problem with that. Yeah, no, if you know Javi. <laughs> if you know Javi. You may know him, I don't. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Let's move on to Anna Wojcienko. Um Anna Wojcienko asked for both John and Renato. John said that, quote-unquote, the big will be bigger. Does that mean broadening the spectrum of services that giant MLVs are covering, going the unconventional way? Oh, unequivocally, yes. I mean, if you think it, you're going to be doing the same thing, you know, next year and the following year and the following year that you were last year or the year before, then you're not thinking about life the right way. I think things change. And, um I, I, yes, unequivocally will offer different services. Um, I think the nature of the business is changing before our very eyes and, and we, we will continue. If we want to get bigger, we have to. I don't think we have a choice. And the, the thing that I would add is the comment that uh, the fact that things uh, are getting bigger doesn't mean that the other things will disappear. So there is this uh, 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 misrepresentation uh, or, 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 or wrong idea that because there are new things happening, that the old things will stop happening. So uh, I saw resistance to change when we went from typewriters to word processors, from word processors to computers, from local markets to the internet. So there's always some fear, but at the end of the day, uh, technologies, processes, uh, things coexist. The new gets bigger, but it doesn't replace what existed before. So 
uh, I'm, I'm very uh, uh, optimistic about uh, change happening and growth happening because it's it, there is more opportunity, not less. Tucker? Excellent. I'm trying to find one last one here from Jean-Paul, who asked a very good question, but it's not coming up in my in my stream here. So Dario Cassio says, hi. Um, beautiful memories of the Dung, La I'm not going to speak Irish, Dun Laguar office. Don Larry. Don Larry. There Larry. we go. There we go. Um, Me too. Me too. I may go there next week for the first time since COVID. It's a beautiful office there. It used to be the Berlitz office. That's one of the, the things yeah. that Lionbridge acquired. Right. <laughs> it's right on the water in Dublin for anybody that wants to come to visit. Fabulous place. Yeah. Other than uh, talk amongst yourselves. Well, <laughs> continue with your questions, Renato. I'm, I'm sorry, no, Jean Paul. Okay. I, I saw that you had a really good question. Let's talk a little bit about the, the gaming space, which is yeah. a very interesting space. How, how does it fit in your in the Lionbridge, we, we have a show here, which is only for gamers because it's such a culture in itself. Is it a company inside the company? Does every, are you a gamer? How do you see this space? So I, I, I would say it is a company within the company, but I, I think what we have is commonalities that we can use some of the scale we have in our business localization. Um, the difference is that we have a huge test business in um, in games and an audio business, um, and we continue to build out studios for for audio work around the world and a big investment on our side. So um, we are a um, a culture of gamers in the game space. We have a phenomenal team. Uh, we just had a meeting with our with our whole games team this morning. Uh, we made a, a very um, conscientious decision, strategic decision uh, a few years ago to, to really, you know, um, grow that business. We saw an opportunity and I think that was um, the right decision as we've seen. Um, and we've picked up um, a number of new clients over the last two or three years and, uh, and we'll continue to do so. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you look at the numbers, there are, you know, I went to a conference three years ago and speakers said there were a billion and a half gamers in the world. Six months later, I went to a conference and they said there were 4 billion gamers in the world. I think there's 7.8 billion people in the world. So half the world, but maybe, maybe that's right. And so, uh, so if, they, we, if they consider solitaire a game, I'm a gamer, but that's as far as I go. When yeah, I, go I would say I'm a gamer, but not a hardcore gamer. Like some of our, some of our, um, you know, well, throughout our games business, mm -hmm. and uh, and I and I think that that that's in our DNA and uh, and a great group, but we're very very bullish in the game space. Yes, and that's interesting because you essentially it's a it's one of those areas where you essentially acquired your way into and uh, developed a, a, a presence and uh, recognition from the buyer side that you're a legitimate player because it was. Uh, 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 it's a very interesting segment to look at because it was yeah. dominated by small studios around the world and yeah. Keywords did uh, an amazing consolidation in, in that space. Uh, Pull to Win, the other player in, in, in Japan, also had an interesting presence. And then Lionbridge came in, 
did some key acquisitions and became a, a, a very viable uh, competitor in that space. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what we've done and we're very proud of is, is we have offered the market a real alternative to what was there before. And and I think the market has recognized that, you know, what, what we bring to the table and has rewarded us for that. Excellent. So uh, we have five, four minutes. I got it. I got it here. So from from Jean-Paul in chat. Sorry, I couldn't find it on LinkedIn chat for whatever reason. Um, This is for John. How do you see the market developing for augmented neural machine translation? Given the demand outpacing the supply for translators, a... Um, are there sufficient post editors in art in and of itself currently and in the pipeline? How does Lionbridge address MT plus post editing for clients seeking price and time savings? Well, there's, there's, I think four questions in that question, right? Yeah. So, it was, uh, he's getting his money's worth. In there. Yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. So I, I would say they're not mutually exclusive. Um, NMT will continue and, and will continue to, to consume larger parts of content. I think the trick for us is how, how do we uh, bundle as many jobs as we can to make them attractive for, for post editors uh, to easily pick up work and be able to make a living doing it, right? So that's the challenge is, you know, as, as, as jobs have become smaller and smaller and smaller, We've, we're employing different pricing models and, and trying to find um, the right mix that that will will work for both sides. Obviously, what's generated huge amounts of content through through, through neural machine translation, um, and at the same time, an attractive proposition for uh, for post editors to work in. Wonderful. Uh, so, I would like to, since we're getting close to our time. Um, I, w- I would like to thank you, John, for participating. And I would, li- I would like to thank Lionbridge for our uh, followers here who don't know. Uh, Lionbridge is giving away a free subscription to multilingual magazine, digital. If you click on the little present icon there, you get a free one-year subscription. So that's $32 uh, worth of, of a gift that Lionbridge is giving you to be uh, following what is going on in the industry. If you're not reading multilingual, uh, you're missing out on a, on a, on a, on an organization that is transforming itself significantly and generating a lot of valuable content. So, congratulations for the 25 years. Thank you very much for uh, uh, being a, a great member of our industry contributing to the the, the growth and the profession professionalism in our space and um the floor is yours if you whatever you want to share with our uh, attendees i know a, a big chunk of our uh, of, of people are going to see this uh, not live but in 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 the recorded version so no, hey, we're not. Thanks, Tucker. Thanks. It uh, it's been an enjoyable hour, and uh, always happy to talk about uh, our company and our 25 years. And thanks for helping us celebrate it. We are uh, we're very excited. We've had a great week uh, of uh, of kind of a birthday celebration for us, and so we look forward to the future. And I would say to uh, you know to all out there, keep the faith. The future is bright, and we plan to be a big part of it. Awesome. Tucker, do you want to do the closing? Uh, sure. Why not? Um, because I, 
I am so prepared for that. Well, thank you everybody for joining Nimsy Live with our guest host, Renato Beninato, and your guest operator, me today. Um, our next, our next episode of Nimsy Live coming up here is, who, who, who do we got coming up? I believe it's, uh, yeah, Miguel Sepulveda on October 26th at 9 o'clock a.m. Pacific time. Um, I'm going to be talking with Miguel Sepulveda. We're going to be talking about the all, the always elusive return on investment. How do you measure the ROI for your localization program? So that's coming up here on later, later this month. So I would like to thank our guest host Renato. Whoops, I would like to I would like to thank John Fennelly, who I believe I don't know if I've lost him already. Um, and I would like to thank everybody in chat. It was a it was a really engaged chat. Thank you especially to Jamie down there in chat. You were answering those questions quicker than quicker than we could get them to Renato and John. So until then, we'll we'll see you next time on the next episode of Nimsy Alive. Cheers. Thank you.